This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock because you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, the owner of the Seattle Supersonica, celebrate Hanukkah. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and after you finish listening to today's show, you'll have some great tips on making the home buying process better. Telling his house buying tale of misery, we welcome host of the Stay Wealthy San Diego podcast, certified financial planner, Taylor Schulte. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline, and in our headline segment, we'll discuss how much money parents are losing in savings by paying bills for their adult children. And... We'll still have time to cover a little-known American hero who's gotten himself into some legal trouble. You may or may not have heard of him. His name's John Cena. And now, two guys who we're sure you haven't heard of, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, geez, notorious around Texarkana. Can't, can't step outside without a law enforcement officer saying, uh, excuse me, and uh, OG going, no, I'm not him. <laughs> well, you do draw attention to yourself when you walk around with a bag on your head. <laughs> hey, everybody, I am Joe Saul C. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know which voice is which. And, of course, I'm making fun of him so you know that that is the other guy. You also know I'm taking my life into my hands when I'm Making fun of the other guy across the card my, table. He'll, deadly, my deadly uh, skills. You'll, my skill set. You'll flip this card table in a second. <laughs> I have skills. Skills that I've acquired over many years. Is, I have no idea what that's from. What's that? The Are Matrix? you kidding me? Is that the Matrix? No, it's from, uh, well, free t-shirt to anybody who knows what that's from. All right. And, uh, OG at stackingbenjamins.com. First one gets it. We got a fantastic show today. Taylor Schulte's, as Doug explained, OG, he's going to tell a miserable story. That Those is, are my favorite. Oh, just somebody else's train wreck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes <laughs> your life feel way better. You're like, well, at least I'm not that guy. You know, it's not a train wreck is buying real estate this time of year. It's actually, I saw some research the other day that shows this is the time to buy real estate because buyer yeah yeah if you're a serious even if you're a seller you get serious buyers right now you everybody's serious 
And if you're somebody thinking about real estate, let's take a second to talk about how you can start earning passive income by investing in rental properties through Roofstock, an online marketplace for buying and selling tenant-occupied homes. Whether you're in California, New York, Texarkana, Roofstock makes it efficient and hassle-free to diversify your portfolio invest from anywhere in high-yield markets like Atlanta, Memphis, Cleveland, even Detroit where I'm from. They lay all the property reports and financials at your fingertips and even connect you with vetted local property managers for hassle-free ownership. Every property is thoroughly vetted by the Roofstock certification team, so you know it's in good condition with a reliable tenant place. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties, they're backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Roofstock property investing made simple. Here's what you do. Visit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock to learn more about rental home investing and browse exclusive listings today. We're also brought to you by Magnify Money, you know, if you're going to comparison shop stuff here at the holidays to find the best gift, why wouldn't you give yourself the best gift? The gift of more money in your pocket, the gift of better financial tools. So whether you're consolidating your loans, you're playing the reward point game, you need a new ride. Like, I think my transmission might be gone on my car, OG. Yeah, well, I think after 225,000 miles, I might have given up the ghost. Now, luckily, I'm paying cash for my car, but if I didn't have cash, I'd head to magnifymoney.com because there I can easily compare, ditch, switch, and save uh, on checking accounts, savings accounts, auto loans, consolidation of my student loans, whatever that might be. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Is this old car going to sit in your driveway like the other two? Right. On those cinder blocks. Well, that's that's. I was just going to say that I got to go get the cinder blocks out as soon as we're done recording this. It's just trailblazer and cinder blocks. I mean, I got to keep just put the hood up and just leave I got, it like that for the next fifteen years. I got to keep up with the neighbors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I got to. We're going to get this show rolling, man, because we've got Taylor Schulte, certified financial planner, upstairs talking to mom. But before he comes down to the basement, we got some headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. You uh, familiar with this uh, gentleman named John Cena? <laughs> Maybe. Of course. Ever, this, is an audio, this is an audio podcast. Nobody knows what the heck you're doing. I'm doing the thing where he like, things, does the thing in front of his face. Front, I don't know what that's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is uh, from uh, BleacherReport.com. John Cena reportedly sued by Ford for selling his 2017 Ford GT for half a million bucks. Have you seen this? I did see this, yes. Ford taking WWE star John Cena to court after the 16-time world champion. How do you negotiate with the WWE, by the way, to let them, you know, <laughs> to let them let you win the thing 16 times? Like, <laughs> what are you I, talking about? Well, this I've been a, real, dude. I've been a fake champion of this podcast 16 times. <laughs> Joe Salcihi, 16-time uh, Stacky Benjamins award winner. You tend to stuff the ballot box. I, 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 I tend to, yes. According to the report, Cena signed an agreement upon receiving the car that he wouldn't sell it for at least two years. Ford's representative alleged Cena, quote, unfairly made a large profit from the unauthorized resale flip of the vehicle. Companies also claiming losses connected to brand value, ambassador activity, and consumer goodwill. Cena's an automobile enthusiast and has a YouTube show called Auto Geek. During an episode on October 31st, he gets behind the wheel of a 2017 Ford GT. Apparently... He made a promise to somebody he'd sell it. He's using the money to pay off some bills, but you got to read the contract. I oh, mean, yeah, totally. This is, I feel no remorse for John C. Now, I think that he should be able to sell whatever he wants to sell. But if he signed a contract that said, as part of the 
you know, as part of this brand ambassador program, which he apparently is, right? They Ford wants him driving around in the Ford Mustang, right? That makes sense. And they go, hey, we'll give you the car. You just can't get rid of it for a period of time. Drive the thing around, put some miles on it and wave at people and like, look at my cool new Mustang. And he went, yeah, cool. Anyway, I'm going to sell it for half a million. So Ford's in the right here. This is breach of contract. I get the feeling though that, I mean, Cena didn't do this maliciously. I haven't talked to John Cena about Oh, this. I was hanging out with him the other day. Yeah. Did he tell you that he was that he was doing this maliciously? I can't say. I think it's a case of people do stuff like this all the time. They just don't read the contract. And and clearly when you have a have so well, you know, we're about to talk to Taylor Schulte about contracts, I'm sure, a little bit with his house issue. And certainly the contract is is important. And you know, let's talk about a basic contract that most people have, which is even a will. Like I I've I can't tell when I was a financial planner, I'd sit down with people and I would read their will and I'd say, do you know you have this provision in your will? I do. It's your will. Yes. Oh, I, I didn't know it was that. Mm -hmm. I, I never knew that the attorney put that in there. I'm like, uh, well, it's, I'm sure the attorney once again, wasn't being malicious, but to read the contract. It says everything goes to the attorney. I'm sure he wasn't being malicious. It just, you know, he's very <laughs> buried it on page 17. It was very altruistic of him. Right. Yeah. yeah you got to read that stuff. And it's painful, isn't it, though? I found I remember, it. Sorry. I remember a story where I can't remember what company this was. Now, somebody will remember it where they put in the terms and conditions. You know, how like when you download the new iOS or whatever, it's like 77,000 pages. You're like, yeah, yeah, accept. Yeah. So a company put in those terms and conditions that you are unequivocally selling your soul to Satan <laughs> by, by for, you know, for no, you know, click here to accept. They actually and, put that in that you're selling your soul to Satan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah, to see yeah. if anybody would catch it. Exactly. And like w one person finally did, you know, it was a big hullabaloo and, and, and whatever. But, uh, yeah, you got to read that stuff. You never know. You don't want your soul to go to somebody you don't want it to go to or your Mustang. I just looked up what you were talking about. 7,500 online shoppers unknowingly sold their soul. A British firm game station added the immortal soul clause to the contract signed before making online purchases earlier. Uh, this was a few years ago. Game station's form says, by placing an order via this website on the first day of the fourth month of the year 2010, I <laughs> you agree to grant us a non-transferable option to claim for now and forevermore your immortal soul should we wish to exercise this option you agree to surrender your immortal soul and any claim you may have on it within five five in parentheses spelled out working days of receiving written notification from gamestation.co.uk or one of its duly authorized minions there you go <laughs> that's so odd. read the contract yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah. Uh, our second piece comes to us from Market Watch. This one is written by Carrie Paul and should scare people like me that have adult children. The piece says leaving the nest doesn't always mean entering financial independence for kids these days, and parents are paying a high price for it. Some 80% of parents are covering or have covered basic expenses for their children after they turn 18, which could cost parents how much money do you think, OG? Per year or over time? Over time, total. Uh, How much money in lost savings toward their retirement? 310000 I have no idea. 227000 nearly a quarter million dollars. People that did the study calculated the impact on savings if cost of adult children put into a retirement savings account. Now, 
you know, we're talking mm-hmm. about over age 18 and, uh, you know, my kids after age 18, a lot of these were college related expenses and I was going to help them during that period. I mean, my kids both had jobs, but still I was, I was, I was going to help. I think the, the more difficult piece is, you know, your 30 year old child or 35 year old child or 45 year old child or 50 year old child. What do you want easy? What do you, I mean, we, we are, we are a mom's basement. Maybe we shouldn't have maybe, forget this piece. Throw it away. We're not going to throw it away. Pay no attention to this. I think the lesson here is number one, supporting adult kids. Great idea. Fantastic awesome. idea. Keep doing it as long as you can. Podcasting. Maybe they'll in, support you in the future. Podcasting in the basement. It all, all adults should podcast from their mom's basement. And uh, if you've got a contract, uh, better read it. Taylor Schulte is a certified financial planner in San Diego, and he has a, a, a great podcast called Stay Wealthy San Diego, and he also is a co-founder of a firm called Define Financial in San Diego, and uh, he's got maybe, maybe one of the most uh, grueling stories about uh, moving into a brand new house that we've heard. Of course, we did hear one, Shannon Allen on recently talking about inadvertently sending her money to a hacker. Remember that one? Sending Mm, her down payment money. Luckily, Taylor got past the down payment, moved into the house, but we'll let him tell the story from there. Coming down to the basement, Taylor Schulte. And coming down the stairs, Taylor Schulte, have a seat, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Well, very happy to have you here in the basement. It's about time you got here, by the way. You've got a story for us, man, that I'm, ex- well, I'm, I, I guess excited to tell makes it sound like I'm, I'm really happy to tell this story. This is kind of a not really a happy story, but life for you, this story begins in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And you had saved a bunch of money for a house. How much money had you and your spouse saved? We worked our butts off in our 20s, and we saved up uh, a down payment of about $150,000. And you're a financial planner, certified financial planner. So you're a guy that probably planned and overplanned and overplanned this house. Uh, we did. And not only am I a certified financial planner, but my wife is a planner at heart. And I mean, she is incredible at planning things out, and she's an organizer. You know, we had things dialed into the T with this thing, so it really caught us off guard. Well, don't say that yet. We we don't want, we we don't want to give away what's about to happen. But initially, life was pretty good. I mean, it, it sounds like you found what you thought was your dream house. Tell me about the house. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's a beautiful house in a beautiful up and coming neighborhood. And I think it was built in the 30s in San Diego. And you know, all the old people were moving out, and the young people were moving in, and lots of families and. Our house was a complete teardown. So a contractor came in, tore down the entire house, the foundation and everything, and he built a, a brand new home. And it was a, a really beautiful home. We fell in love with it. Again, I mean, we saved up a good chunk of money and, and we thought this was it. We thought, you know what, let's do this. Let's make it happen. And we hadn't started a family yet. And so we had our eyes set on starting a family in this home. And yeah, obviously things took a turn. So you were going to be, you were the first resident of this house. You were the first owner, the original owner. We, we were the first owner of the new build. Yes. So you sign on the dotted line, you saved this six figure big down payment. 
you go through everything, right? I mean, you had people inspect the house. Yeah, let, let's remind everyone too. I'm in San Diego, Southern California. One hundred fifty thousand dollars is a big number. Um, I mean, there are houses that you can buy in this country for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, good point. Uh, you know, people listening, don't be alarmed. I mean, that, that's normal for Southern California. Unfortunately, um, that's what we're dealing with out here. Yeah, yeah. You're saying you're not buying the biggest house on the block with your one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. And, and yeah, but it is a lot of money. And yeah, we, we did, we went through the, you know, the normal things that you do when you buy a house and we got an inspector and, you know, that was one of the recommendations from our realtor was to get an inspection done on the house. And like most people do, uh, we hired a, a general inspector to walk through the house and do his due diligence and just make sure everything was, was looking right. Did you walk through the house with him or her Taylor? My wife and I would probably walk through the house a dozen times at least on our own. But again, it was a brand new house. I mean, everything just looked perfect and beautiful. And the inspector's words were this. When he finished his inspection, his words were, I would purchase this house. And like, if that doesn't make you feel comforted, I don't know, you know, what does. Yeah, right. Nope. So clean bill of health from the inspector, brand new house. You guys move in then? Yeah, we moved in uh, right after escrow closed. And how long was it before you noticed that uh, Houston, we have a problem? Yeah, so we had a small crack in the stairwell within just the first you know month or two. That small, you know, maybe it was um, I don't know a few inches. Eventually turned into gosh, I don't know, ten or twelve. So we just started watching this crack grow and grow and grow. Uh, we started to notice some of the wood floors warping and splitting and cracking. Eventually, our front door dropped like an inch. We had to cut a piece off the bottom of the door and glue it to the top of the door just to fill the gap at the top. So things were moving and uh, yeah, we definitely, definitely knew something was not right. Your house was moving. <laughs> Your house was trying to take off on you. Go two separate ways, it sounds like. The house was moving, yep. I mean, you think about that. I mean, what's your recourse? What's the first thing that you thought to do? We actually had some really good advice from a friend when we were buying this house. And he said, you know, in the contract, you should put some language in there that gives you a warranty against the builder. You know, the standard contract doesn't include a warranty, especially on our house. It was coded as a remodel. And so we had at the very last minute, we put in some language there that gave us a one year builder's warranty if any defects arose during that first year. So we kindly wrote an email to the builder. He actually, believe it or not, this guy lives in our neighbor, lived in our neighborhood. So he was just a few blocks down the road. Yeah, we wrote him a nice email and just said, hey, hey uh, you know, we're noticing some things. Would you <laughs> mind coming over and checking him, <laughs> checking him out? And I got, uh, a, I got a 12 foot hole in my in my stairwell. <laughs> just something little. Yeah, no big deal. Actually, you know, it, it did start out with some really little stuff and he did come over and he did try and address things. And, and eventually he just, he just disappeared and, you know, didn't answer phone calls, didn't answer emails anymore. And, and, you know, that was obviously a, a, a sign that things were going south as well. But was it going south just at your house or his whole business was going south? Oh, geez. I don't know if I could speak for his whole business. Um, he definitely, you know, was one of these house flipper guys that yeah. was trying to make a business out of it. Uh, I can't say that he has a great reputation in town, but I don't know enough about his business. I like what you did there, though, with getting some good advice about having that clause put in your contract, because most people wouldn't think to do that. I think that's a good move. Obviously, without that, things wouldn't have ended up as good as they did in the end. Yeah, you know, a lot of like really new build, you have construction defect language. Well, when it's coded as a remodel, uh, the same law doesn't apply. And so 
when we actually got you know to the legal portion of this story, we were able to sue him for breach of contract, not construction defects. So just that little language that, again, we just wrote it in there. It was nothing an attorney had to do, uh, allowed us to go after him for breach of contract, which you know really was a saving grace for us. And what about the idea of making it a remodel? It seems like when you tear the whole thing down and start from the beginning, it doesn't seem like much of a, I mean, it seems like a pretty extensive remodel. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know enough about building homes and and how that all works, but you've heard the story before. They take down everything but one wall. They get the city to come in and code it as a remodel. And then they remove that last wall and they start from scratch. So, you know, it's a loophole in the system that uh, I don't know enough about, but it's kind of unfortunate. Do you feel like, well, I'm going to ask you those types of questions after we tell everybody the rest of the story. So the guy disappears. What happens then? We figured we've got to do something here, right? We can't just we can't just do nothing. And so we uh, asked around and we found an attorney. An attorney came in and took a look at the situation. And, you know, the first thing, again, you know, we're not mean people and we don't want anything other than just our house fixed. And so we started off with a letter from the attorney to, you know, see if we could uh, light a fire under this guy's butt and, you know, see where this thing would go. And and that's called a demand letter, right? A demand letter. Yeah. I think yeah. that is the legal term for yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So you write him a letter, light a fire, and you still hear nothing? You know, I think he did chirp up. You know, we had suggested mediation to settle this thing. And we eventually did go to mediation, which he walked out of. So that was, uh, you know, another costly event that resulted in nothing at all. What, so it was back. Wait, wait a minute. How, there's, there's a story right there. He walked out of the mediation. So you're sitting across the table from him and he just gets up and walks away. So we spent thousands of dollars to have our attorney there to hire the mediator. I think we spent, you know, six hours of a work day in the mediator's office. And after all that, he just decided there's no way we're going to come to an agreement. And uh, and he bailed. Were you sitting across from him when he got up and left? They actually had us in separate rooms. So the mediator kind of goes back and forth trying to, you know, mediate the situation. And uh yeah, I just got to a point where they said, yeah, he's he's uh, he's out of here. He's he left. He's he left. He's gone. You must have looked at your spouse like, what the <laughs> hell? It was pretty frustrating. There's a lot of frustrating moments. I mean, it is not an easy ride. It's really unfortunate too. you think about the legal system and, and recourse we have as consumers and they do not make it simple in our heads. We thought, sure, we'll go to mediation, spend a few thousand bucks and, you know, we're reasonable people. Uh, we'll come to a conclusion here, but it's just, it's not that simple. So at this point, then you have to sue him. I'm assuming now you have to go to court. We've got to go down that that legal path. Again, you got to jump through a bunch of hoops before you actually go to court. But yeah, we had no choice but to start to head down that path. What happened to your house at this point, Taylor? Are you have you already fixed it on your own and now you're already have to leave it in the state it's in so that you can still get paid? I mean, I don't know how that works. Yeah, it was our advice to do nothing until this whole thing shook out. Good deal. Um, and that's and that's the unfortunate part too, is like, you know, your house is supposed to be a place where you feel comfortable and safe and unwind after a long day. And for us, I mean, man, every time we came home from work, it was just this black cloud, this, you know, stressful situation and, you know, more money, more bills in the mail. And it just it's just really unfortunate to have to live in this this house during this entire time period. You take him to court, he walked out of mediation. Did he show up at court? So before court, you're deposed, right? There's a, something called a deposition and, and he didn't show up for his deposition either, which I don't know how you get away with that. That's but, a bad sign though. 
long story short, his LLC ended up getting suspended. And when your LLC, and this is another uh, saving grace, when your LLC is suspended, your attorney can't represent you in court. So when the day came for us to go to court, it was a one-sided court case. It was us giving our, our side of the story with nobody to defend it. So his attorney couldn't be there. He couldn't be there. The judge heard our story. Obviously, you know, we're a nice young couple that bought a house and got completely taken advantage of. And uh, yeah, the judge ordered us uh, a judgment and the judgment's a piece of paper saying, here's how much money uh, is owed to you, but uh, good luck collecting on it. That's what I was going to say. Most people think that this is the end of the story, right? You get the judgment, high five each other. We live happily ever after, get our house back. Like you said, you're not mean people. Just now your life is going to go on. That's not the case. That is not the case. Yeah, judgment is just a piece of paper. A judgment also means you have to go hire a new attorney oh, good. called a collections attorney who will help you try and collect on this judgment. So so this is this is uh, just such a train wreck <laughs> in slow motion. What year is this now? Probably 2015, 2016. You've had now three years, two and a half, three years of this so far. Yeah, complete nightmare. What are your legal fees looking like three years in? Do you remember that number? Yeah. So before we hired the collection attorney, we probably spent about $45,000 in legal fees. Wow. So then you, but on, on your piece of paper, did it say that he was going to have to pay your legal fees? So legal fees are built into the total judgment amount. A certain percentage of legal fees gotcha. are, are built in. So, yeah, we got a judgment for $150,000 and legal fees were, were built into that. But yeah, so we had already spent, you know, close to 50 grand already. So yeah. that judgment was already you know, reduced in value. I'm wondering what the collection attorney sells you with this guy's track record already. The fact that his LLC isn't uh, functioning correctly anymore. He must have told you at the beginning, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, the good collection attorneys won't take you on as a client unless they see a path to collecting. Fortunately, he actually found some assets in the LLC he thought we could collect on and he was willing to take us on. So it was actually a pretty painless process with the collections attorney. We did have to spend another, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, of course, to go collect on this. And, and then we ended up collecting about ninety thousand dollars of the judgment. So, you know, I say we spent sixty to collect ninety. Uh, it didn't really leave us with a whole lot to fix a broken home. No, no. So the reason we're talking today, that just finished. Yeah, that is over. We sold the house as is defects and all. Sold it? Um, we sold it to a nice lady. We disclosed everything. She knew what she was getting herself into. Yeah, everything went really smoothly. But I also want to mention, you know, through all of this, everything that we went through, all the legal bills, everything, we're also trying to start a family during this time period. So, I mean, that was just, you know, an extra, extra component to, to this entire story. Well, and you had told me before this, your spouse had also quit her job to work at a job that paid a lot less and at the same time, you've got this nightmare going on. Yeah, like I said, we worked our butts off in our 20s to kind of gear up for this this event. And uh, we saved up a good chunk of money. And my wife left her big corporate job. And yeah, it was time to actually make the purchase. And uh, at the same time, I was starting my business. Uh, so we were dumping money into that. And again, you know, I mean, everything penciled out on paper. But who plans for to spend $60,000 on a lawsuit? And there's some things you just can't 
can't plan for. No, but there are some great financial planning lessons here. And I think we need to walk through those because I think there's some great ones. I mean, number one, the fact that like having contracts reviewed, right? Reviewing that contract and making sure that you had the the path to go down, I think was a key to you winning. And, and you see people that don't do that, Taylor. Well, you and your business at Define Financial, I'm sure you see people that are like, oh yeah, I got this contract. I have no idea what it says. And so you end up referring them to an attorney to take a look at stuff. Yeah, you definitely need to know what you're signing. And I think having an attorney as you go through a home purchase process is a, is a really good idea. I mean, you know, it's hard because you're, you're spending this large sum of money on this huge asset. And the last thing you want to do is go spend more money. It's really hard, but I mean, it is really important. I mean, I, I can't stress it enough. Well, at that point, that's another financial planning lesson. When you talk about spending more money on top of that asset, you're really ensuring that things go right with that asset. So you know, you and I in financial planning talk about risk management decisions, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're paying more to manage risk. That's correct. And, uh, you know, like we had talked about, if I was going to do anything different in buying this house, I would have gotten some additional inspections. That's I would exactly have paid, what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I would have paid an extra, you know, a couple, you know, two, three thousand dollars to get some additional inspections outside of a general inspection. A general inspector, they just look generally at the home. And, you know, our house was at all wood floors. I would have hired a wood floor inspector. Um, I tell people if there's a pool in the backyard, get a pool inspector. If you're noticing some foundation issues or the neighborhood is, uh, you know, has a ton of clay soil, clay in the soil, um, you might consider hiring a foundation inspector to, to take a look. Yeah, that's good. And, I, you know, I hear a lot of people that skip the inspection altogether because they think it's expensive. And obviously, look, at you had an inspector and look at what happened. Yeah, great stuff. Well, not yeah. great stuff. Great. I'm glad you finally have a happy ending, Taylor. Yeah, we are uh, extremely happy to, to have this behind us. And, you know, I think I shared with you, um, like I said, you know, we we had a lot of fun in our 20s and we didn't really have like a ton of adversity. Life was good. We we were dinks, double income, no kids. We were traveling. We, we had we really just hadn't really faced anything like this. So to me, this is a really good slap in the face to just remind us that life is not a straight line. Like there's, there's things that are going to happen that you can't plan for. You're going to have some adversity. And to us, every single day we sat down, we looked at each other and we reminded ourselves that this is just a house. This is just a house. This is just money. It's not our health or, you know, God forbid anything worse than that. That's really what, what kind of got us through this whole thing. What is it as a financial planner though? What does that say? If you can't plan for everything, I guess that speaks to keeping some money flexible. Yeah. I mean, cash is king. And it is, I mean, the first thing that we tell people have an emergency cash savings account, you know, rule of thumb is three to six months. But if you want to be more conservative, we have clients that hold, you know, nine to 12 months of living expenses in cash. And that really helps you out when you go through times, times like this. Yeah. Cause had you not had, now that I think through this too, had you not had the $60,000 of wherewithal to pay those attorneys on an ongoing basis, this might not have ended up as well, somewhat pretty as it did. I'll be completely honest. We we were not completely prepared for $60,000 in legal bills. There sure. were points in time where we had to carry credit card debt to get through this. Um, again, my wife left her high paying job. I'm starting a business. I'm a little more risky of an investor anyways. So I wasn't carrying that nine to 12 months in cash. And, you know, this thing caught us off guard. And, you know, again, you can be the best planner in the world and think you have everything dialed in on paper, but there's a lot of things you can't plan for. And this is definitely a, a good life lesson for, for both of us. Wow. Love. There's a ton of lessons there. I'm so happy that you told us the story, Taylor. Tell us 
a little bit. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about your podcast because, you know, we got to talk about your podcast, about how awesome it is. Stay Wealthy San Diego. Tell me about it. Yeah, you know, I'm a native San Diegan, which, believe it or not, it's actually pretty rare. We have a pretty transient city. And I'm just fascinated by the world of business and entrepreneurship. And we have so many cool companies here that have been around forever and some that are starting up. And and so the Stay Wealthy San Diego podcast, I interview local entrepreneurs, business owners, innovators, and, and leaders and have them share their story with the community. It's been a really, really fun platform. I've met a lot of great people and yeah, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. I uh, was listening to the last one just before you came down to the basement, actually, while you're upstairs talking to mom, uh, Grace and LaFriends. And uh, interesting story. It's funny, you know, I'm in Texarkana and a lot of lessons for me. You, you, you don't have to be in San Diego to like your podcast. No, absolutely. Yeah. Grayson's got a, a national presence. Uh, Pat Flynn was on the podcast. One of the largest fee-only wealth management firms was on the podcast. You know, so there's a lot of great people and great information on the podcast. You don't have to be a native San Diegan, that's for sure. And then what the heck's going on at Define Financial, your financial planning company? Yeah, we're a, a fee-only financial planning firm. We're headquartered out here in San Diego. We specialize in working with retirees and a group of folks we call Henry's. And the acronym Henry stands for High Earner Not Rich Yet. So these are folks in their 30s and 40s, and they're generating a really healthy six-figure income, but you know they don't have that uh, million dollars in the bank just yet. So we like to take them on early and and help them grow. Help them get there. It's it's like the uh, the person in the, I'm a baseball fan. It's like the minor leaguer, right? Somebody shows a lot of potential coming up through the through the system. Yep, and they're often neglected, and and they don't have anywhere to go. And everybody's asking them how much money they have, and you know they kind of come in with their guard up. But uh, yeah, we enjoy helping them make those smart decisions with their money today, and letting those compound over the next 20, 30, 40 years. Awesome, and we'll link to the show, Stay Wealthy San Diego, and to Define Financial in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Man, great talking to you. Congratulations on getting this thing behind you. Joe, thank you. I wish I was in the basement under uh, better circumstances, but I appreciate you letting me vent a little bit. And um, thanks for sharing my story. I really appreciate it. At least you're here. No time for cookies. Thanks again, Joe. Hey there, lads and lassies. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, with my favorite part of the show. That's right. The trivia. Hope your home inspection goes better than Taylor Schulte's. Jeez, that's horrible. But his story leads me to my trivia question, and it's something I've wondered for ages. Why are so many doorknobs brass? Is it because somebody's brother-in-law's in the brass business or something? I don't know, but I'll find out and come back with the answer after this. I raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. 
Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks. And guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best in class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Well, over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. There's really no way to sell real estate today, rental homes with tenants in place. What we did with Roofstock was create the first way to do it. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Welcome back, friends. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with the brass tacks of this year trivia segment. Over the break, I did some research and found the answer to this question. Why are so many doorknobs made of brass? The answer? It turns out that brass is antimicrobial. I looked up that word, not how to pronounce it, but I looked up what it meant, and it means that the doorknobs disinfect themselves so you don't get sick if someone comes to your door right after they sneeze. Man, time for me to hit up the brass department down at the hardware store. I'm going to get brass all over my house, and I'll never be sick again. Won't even have to clean anything. See ya. I'm sure that's not the only reason why uh, they're brass, but how about that reason? Antimicrobial. That's a big word Hmm. for Doug. It's a big word for, yeah. It's a big word. Yeah, I thought maybe it would just be easier to maybe don't don't have fingerprints or something. I don't know. Easier to clean. And how about Taylor Schulte? OG, <laughs> second time today. Read the contract. I mean, Taylor was saved by knowing what wasn't in his contract and adding it to it so that he could uh, go after the, the go after the builder. Gotta read the documents. Gotta be a reader, whether you want to or not. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline. Right now and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been spearheading innovation within the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most, OG. Contracts. And houses that don't move. Houses yeah. houses with a solid foundation. 
Yes. Your family and your time. It's why they created a high quality and most importantly, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual that you can purchase entirely online. No need to wait several weeks for a decision when you can get one. Bam! Right now, instantly with Haven Life. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. Today's Haven Lifeline we're throwing out to comes to us from Anon. In fact, his name is Anon E. Mus. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Hey, Joe and OG. Find myself in a predicament I'm trying not to make worse. I recently lost my job after taking out a 401k loan to purchase a house closer to the job I lost. The irony. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know where this is headed. The loan was for $40,000 and I still owe $39,000. So pays off $1,000 on the 401k loan and loses his job. Guess what happens then, OG? Well, one of two things happened. Either he got a letter from his 401k company that said, uh, we're going to go ahead and need uh, this 39000 today. Or if they were nice enough, they said, you can continue the payments. But that's very infrequent. So my guess is they went, um, please, by the end of business this day, please send us the balance. Otherwise, it will be taxable and a penalty. I will continue with the letter which reads like this. My options are take out a personal loan to cover the 401k loan or pay the penalty in taxes, including my stupid tax. <laughs> he said, well, what would you do if I take out the loan? I will not be able to contribute for three to four years until it's paid off. If I default, I max out a Roth and make a contribution to my new employer's plan. I'm 45 with 510,000 in retirement minus the loan and a rental property which I plan to also count toward my retirement, cash flowing 900 now 2000 when paid off. Stuck between two bad decisions. Keep up the good work and congrats on the award. Thank you Anon Emos. Man, horrible spot. This this before you answer and and I definitely want you to answer. This is why. And I'm going to bring this up one more time when another podcast said take out a 401k loan 401k loans they're the new thing and i contacted the purveyor of that podcast and said hey we're going to talk about how dumb that advice was on our show and the person said well have me on because you're talking about things the old way well guess what the new way not working for a non here so just ugh. I've had one interaction with podcasters, financial podcasters that drives me crazy. That was the one that was like, I'm like, are you kidding me? I thought it was 1999 again. And I was hearing about the new, you know, profits don't matter. I got pets.com profits don't matter. We'll figure out profits later. And then the world came crumbling down in 2000. You're a beacon of light, Joe, a beacon of hope in the sea of podcast darkness i don't know i just i don't most podcasts as you know i love i, I love course. financial podcasters but this this one thing just drove me crazy yep. for 401k loans really yeah uh okay well what do we do og what does a non do yeah you're screwed dude <laughs> i don't know what to tell you uh the first thing i would do is i would contact the 401k provider and see if you can continue to do the payments on your old 401k. Maybe they let you do it. Probably not, but maybe. Here's the difficult part. If you default on the 401k loan, it uh, it's taxable. You know, 39,000 is going to be ta uh, you know, added to your ordinary income. You're going to pay a $4,000 penalty on top of the tax. You know, that 40 grand is out of your retirement account, which compounds that problem. 
you know, by a factor of infinity, right? So that 40 grand is, you know, whatever, $300,000, it's not there in retirement, all those things. If you take out a personal loan, you get the money back in your 401k, but if for whatever reason you default on the personal loan, now your credit's ruined, right? And also having just having the personal loan, having more debt is going to sink a non's credit sum. Well, yeah, but but making the payments will help. But 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 right. let's say that the job situation doesn't resolve itself, or you know whatever the case may be. I guess probably what I would do is I want to leave the option with the most options in the future, right? So if you let it default in your four hundred one k, that's an irrevocable decision. You can't undo that later. Like for example, if you say now nah, just let it default. And then three weeks later, you get a signing bonus for 40 grand at your new job. You can't go, wait, sorry, sorry. Actually, I don't want to. You've already made that choice. Done. So what I would do then, based on that, the thing that gives me the most choices is I would do the personal loan and I would martyr myself by driving for Uber, delivering pizzas, tending bar, cleaning gutters, mowing grass, in addition to my full-time job and make the stupid tax be sweat equity to get it paid off. And then at least it gives you the flexibility to pay it off faster. It gives you the flexibility to, you know, if everything goes upside down, you can always undo that, right? You can take the money back out of your 401k, pay off the personal loan and go, you know what? I'm just going to be done with it yeah. at that point. But at least it it delays the choice is what I'm saying. You, you still have more choices in the future. Now, Good luck getting a personal loan with no job. Yeah. You know, and trying to get 40 grand, but maybe you'll find, find if, work right away. So I'm going to kick the can down the road. And every day that I write that check or every month that I write that payment back to the loan, I'm going to remember how freaking stupid that was and commit my life's work to telling everyone that brings this up about exactly how painful it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kick the can down the road. That's my official two minute answer without knowing anything else. No, that's uh, uh, nothing to add. Drop the mic, OG. Done. Oh, okay, cool. We also get uh, letters, by the way, thanks Anon for that, for that. And crazy name, Anon E. Moose. What a, what a great name. Uh, Mom, we also mother didn't like him very much. We, we also get letters down here in the basement. This one comes to us from uh, David. David says, hey, Joe and OG, I love the show. It's become a critical part of my routine, and I feel much smarter, even though I haven't learned anything. My question is about portfolio allocation. I'm a recent grad a few months into my first job, and the investment app I've chosen set me up with a build wealth goal with an allocation of 90% stock and 10% bonds. Do you think this is too risky, or considering I'm unlikely to touch the funds for 10 plus years, should I go OG's preferred path and commit 100% to stocks? Thank you for all your help. And for Christmas, I hope you guys get a second listener. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David, i.e. the listener. Uh, David apparently is also a non. And, uh, we, we need a 100% increase in our listenership. Yeah. That's, Wouldn't that be amazing? Be yeah, that'd uh, be great. Roofstock and Magnify Money be so much happier. Yeah, they would. So let's talk. OG, 90-10, yeah, they're telling 90, me. 90-10, 100 zero, no difference in the grand scheme of things whatever makes you happy. And I would say that this money isn't money that you're not going to touch for 10 years. This is money. If you just got out of school and I'm assuming you're 23 ish or something, this is money you might not touch for like 40 years. So in terms of being quote too aggressive, I don't know what that means, 
when you have 40 year money that you're investing right now, actually even longer than that, because some of this money that you're investing today won't be drawn out until you're 90 something. So it's 70 year money, frankly. If 90-10 makes you happy, do 90-10. If 100-0 makes you happy, do 100-0. 80-20. Here's the big thing. You can't change it, right? You can't be 90-10. This is what people, this and this is going on now. It's starting to, right? Because the market's gone straight up for eight years and it's gone up a lot in the last year. People are like, oh yeah, I'm totally super aggressive. But I'm, I'm in. Yep, I'm, I love volatility. I love it. Volatility is great when it goes up 18% in my favor. It's like, okay. But you can't change your mind when the market goes down 30. You can't you can't go, oh, crap, I had 100 grand and now I have 70. Actually, I think I want to be more conservative now. No, 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 you, no, no, no. You just locked in your loss. No, no, you can't you can't undo. You get to change your mind in terms of your risk tolerance at the end of a 20 percent plus year. <laughs> That's when you get to change it. Like right now, if you're like, yeah, I'd like, I, you know, I, I, this is too much volatility on the upside for, for me. But nobody says that. So the thing that you have to do is you have to kind of do, I call them lifeboat drills. So right now you're just getting started. So you got, you know, 500 bucks in your brokerage account or whatever. If it goes down to 300, it doesn't ruin your day. Okay. But every year you got to look at the number and say, if this goes down 30%, am I okay with that? And recognize that a hundred percent stock portfolio or 90% or 80%, whatever, you're going to have one year and five where the market's going to go down. 25, 30, 40% or like in 2008, 60%. It sucks, but it's part of the cleanse that gets all of the wannabes out of the way so that we can enjoy the ride from, you know, six, 7,000 on the Dow to 24,000. We got to have all the other people out of the way to be able to do that. And yeah. so the cleanse gets those people out and don't be part of the cleanse. <laughs> I, don't know, I just made that up. Don't cleanse yourself. Yes. Don't be, don't be a cleanser. Yeah. Don't just totally don't. toxify everything. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, 90, 10, 100, 0, 80, 20, 70, 30, it's not going to make that hills beans difference. The thing that will make the difference is if you panic out the next time the market goes down 30%, you go, Oh, I can't take it. And you go yeah. all to cash or something. No, it's all, screwed. it's all about your behavior, David. The only thing I'll add to that, and this is something that I, I found fascinating when I discovered this, uh, when I was first learning about financial planning, which was, oh, gee, the fact that instead of doing that 10% bonds, if he really wants to smooth out the portfolio, now bonds will smooth it out a little bit, but something that will smooth it out also, might not smooth it out as much, is if you actually, so bonds are a more conservative asset class to, to add to the mix. He could actually take a fairly aggressive asset class that doesn't correlate to what's in that 90%. And put that in something that's actually riskier than what he has now, like maybe, you know, adding emerging markets, let's say. Oh, I was assuming that that was already in that 90. Well, let's say that it's not. But if it isn't adding emerging markets because they don't correlate completely with, let's say he's got 90% in the total U.S. stock market fund and he adds 10% emerging markets, that portfolio will actually have a smoother ride, even though you just added something more aggressive to the portfolio than just having 100% of one asset class yeah. because of the yeah. difference in correlation. I, I always found that fascinating that you can add more risky things to a portfolio and calm the portfolio down a little bit. Yeah, it's all about the uh, correlation yeah, pretty, between, those, uh, between those two positions. Yeah. So I might, as an alternative, I might look that way. Taking into account everything that OG just said, David, find a risky asset class that doesn't correlate with what you have and use that as your non-correlated smoother instead of just bonds, which is everybody's default. 
Thanks for that question, uh, David. If you've got a question for the show, you know what you do? You head to stackingbenjamins.com and you'll see at the top of the website, questions for the show, click that link. And you know what? There we are. I'd like to thank everybody who's left a review for this here show. Uh, you know, when people listen to Stacking Benjamins, it's good that they know what they're getting into. And uh, this one's going up on Mom's Fridge. This comes to us from Jay Barshop. Wrote this. Five stars, OG. Awesome show. Highly recommend. Joe is one of the best in the biz at expertly extracting those bits of gold listeners are looking for. He and his guests provide some incredibly actionable and compelling content on how to build a healthier relationship with your money. Holy cow. Do we owe this person 20 bucks or what? Take a breath, dude. I'm like, man. I highly recommend listening and subscribing to Stacky Benjamins if you want to make smarter financial choices an inch closer to financial freedom as a result. Wow. Sure they're listening to our show? Well, maybe the part that I'm on. Yes, clearly not the part I'm on, though. Big thanks to Jay Barshop for that, and uh, that's going on Mom's Fridge. Great news. Other, Very cool. <laughs> other good news. If you are looking for financial help in your corner to end 2017, kick off 2018 on a great note, guess what? OG's taking clients. What does that mean? Well, if you go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, you can get a spot on his calendar to find out what it would take to have him in your corner working for you to make better money management decisions. And coming up on Friday on this year podcast, Paul and Len joining us on the roundtable. And of course, OG, that's always a good time. So you don't want to miss that. Then on Monday, your letters, bring them on. If you've got questions for the show, we're going to be answering a lot of your notes we're starting to get a little bit behind. So, man, we absolutely love answering your letters and uh, all letters all the time on Monday's episode. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. So, what have we learned today? First, take some advice from certified financial planner Taylor Schulte and probably learn from John Cena as well. Read your contracts, people. Not sure what a contract says? Think of hiring a qualified attorney to read your contract as risk management on a major purchase like a home. Second, still paying for your kids' expenses even after they're adults? The best education you can give a child is sometimes the most difficult and involves you teaching lessons, not necessarily handing them money. But the big lesson? I understand why you shouldn't ask your parents for money when you're an adult, so that's why I hit up Joe's mom for some cash to buy the brass. And lottery tickets. Hey, don't judge. But here's what I've learned. Only ask her the night after she's won big at poker. Then she's in a really good mood. Too bad today wasn't that day. Lesson learned. Special thanks to Taylor Schulte. You can find more on Taylor at staywealthysandiego.com. And a big special thanks to Joe's mom who let me know that even though she didn't loan me the money for a house full of brass... I can instead do something called clean my house. Who knew that would keep germs away? God, well, wonders never cease. When you're done messing around with us, who do you want to teach you some money tricks? That nerd who talks over your head or your favorite basement-based geeks? Kathleen Selmans operates our Stacking Benjamins classroom. And to make up for the fact that we don't teach you anything here on the show... She's created a whole lot of tools you'll absolutely love. Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com for details. And use coupon code DOUGROCKS for 10% off. Yeah, you're welcome. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. 
Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. I got a question for you. Of course, the new Star Wars movie comes out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even... Well, just even here in Texarkana, we asked the the guy at the ticket booth. We asked him two questions. I asked him first, are many people using the movie pass? And he said, you know, just in like the last month. And of course, you know, once the price now went to $10 a month, he said, just lately, I've seen it a lot. So, I got it at six bucks a month. Oh, you did the yearly thing. I didn't even see that option, by the way, yeah. at that time. But that's number one. Number two was uh, the deal. Man, I wonder if I can switch that. <laughs> I just <laughs> to, to save like thirty bucks a year. Well, I'm just thinking. I mean, why? I mean, it's not thirty bucks a year. It's a it's a forty percent discount. Okay, nerd. Yeah. Anyway, but the second thing that we asked him was. Uh, you know, new Star Wars coming out, and it said pre-sale tickets. He said they already, even in Texarkana, two showings already sold out completely. So that was my question. My first question is, do you have tickets already? No, and I'm not so going to go on opening day anyway. Well, of course not. So my uh, my brother, talking to you, steak brother. Eh. So I had asked him if he wanted to uh, get tickets, right? Because he lives in, in the area here. And I said, I'm going to take the boys. Do you want to get tickets? And he goes, well, you know, I already have tickets for for Sunday. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to go on Saturday. I'm going to try to go in the morning, right? I'm not going to go Friday night. In the chaos. You know, I'll go Saturday morning in the chaos. <laughs> and I was going to buy tickets. And I said, do you want to go? And, and he's like, no, maybe. I don't know where you're, what kind of seats can you get? I'm like, oh, they're, you know, they're just whatever. And he says, oh, those are crappy seats. I'm like, crap. No, no. I said, I said, hey, this is that theater that's got the, like, the reclining seats, you know, and the seat that vibrates and shakes with the, you know, it's the full thing. He goes, well. It's not really in the center of the theater, though, so you don't get the full surround sound. And I went, huh? He said, yeah, I only I only get the seats like directly in the middle, like the exact center. Exactly. And I said, well, this isn't this is not just a row above center. What the hell is the, 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 the screen's like two football fields wide. Like you, yeah. know, you can't see it anyway. Yeah. You know, and he says, "Nah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go on Sunday when I can sit in the middle. So my question to you is this. 
do you really care that much? Like you're a big movie guy. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you're like, you probably wouldn't sit in the front row. Right. Right. You probably wouldn't sit in the corner if it was like a limited view, but does it really matter? When I went to see was a movie we just reviewed uh, recently. Um, uh, the billboard one. No, the train one. Um, the the uh, murder on the Orient Express. Yes. We, we saw that. It was at an AMC in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, we got tickets at the last minute and had to sit in the front row. And mm. uh, but they were reclining seats in the front row. And it's funny because for the first five minutes, I hated it. But then you didn't notice because you're into the movie. You know. Oh, okay. I okay. I. I didn't really pay attention to I it. I just wondered if it, other people were so particular about it. I I mean, I wouldn't sit, like I said, in the front row if I could avoid it, you know. I'll tell you I what row. If I was sat on the aisle or whatever, who gives a sh- 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 care? <laughs> yeah, I got a way to cover that one. Yeah, almost. It took, it took me about four seconds. To Holy cow. Yeah, nobody knew what word was coming there. So in our theaters in Texarkana, you've got like three rows and then a big aisle and then yeah. the stadium seating behind it. That first row is great because it's high enough that if people walk in front of you, you can see over their head and you also don't have a chair in front of you. So you can put your feet up on the bars. So you got room to put your feet up and we don't have the, you know, the, the cushy layback seating, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, we do. But uh, anyway, I just thought it was. Just kind of curious. I'm he excited needs, to see it. I'm going to see it in uh, needs to on sit Saturday exactly, morning. He needs to sit yeah. exactly in the middle. Yeah, he's got like one of those like construction laser things that the, on the tripod with the <sighs> yellow thing, and the guy like holds the. And he's like uh, over, over. There you go. Stop. And, and he's like, I will sit in. I need to buy two seats. Yeah, because this one's not exactly in the center, and this one's not. I'm going to sit. Is, on that, the, is it okay if I? Rest. Is okay right if I straddle this armrest? I know. Excuse me, uh, sir. This is my seat. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested in sitting in your seat. I'm going to sit in the armrest because it's the exact center point. <laughs> That's horrible. You know what else? You know what else? I'm not. Uh, so I'm. You know, I always. I always get the popcorn. You know, I got the movie pass, and now you know. So I pay ten dollars a month for movies, and I pay and seven thousand dollars for popcorn. <laughs> Seventy five hundred to get a little Which tiny is- popcorn. Which is what, you know, that was the argument that the movie past CEO had, you know, he's kind of get some flack from AMC for a couple of months ago. I don't know why. And well, that was his point. He's like, I'm paying full price for the tickets. What the hell do you care? And he said, plus our research shows that people who use movie pass spend twice as much at the concession stand. Really? Yeah. Oh, because like 92% more. Really? Because it yep. feels like it's free. I bet it's you feel free. like you're going to the movies for free. So well, why not buy I'm more? For free, so I can get buy more treats. Know, well, I haven't done. Yeah. I haven't done that yet, and I've actually gone from uh, to, to buying a small popcorn. It just yeah. Uh, but anyway, what drives me crazy, and I'm not this particular either. People that ask the person to put the popcorn halfway full. And then they walk over to the butter thing and they get the butter in the bottom and they salt it in the bottom. And then they go back and they have them filled up the rest of the way. So they got butter in the bottom and butter in the top. I'm like, oh my God. You know what really annoys me about the concession stand? The 74 inch long straw for the small cherry Coke (laughs) where you're like, you got to hold it down by your like waist (laughs) to like, because I'm not going to get the 92 ounce jug of cherry Coke. I don't need that much. I just need like the 16 ounce one, you know? Well, we bought the the straws. It's a universal straw. So it's got to fit in the 42 gallon one. Yeah. Also. And you're like, so you like literally put it on the floor between your feet and then you like hold your head above it. (laughs) You got to stand up every every time you take a drink. 
Yeah. Worse when it's dark and you grab your Coke and you go to take a drink, you like stab yourself in the <laughs> cheek because you don't expect the straw to be, you know. I would like to say that, that that I've never done that before, but I totally have. Everybody has. It's totally annoying. Have. Yeah. I got to bring like a pair of scissors just to cut the straw down to the reasonable size. And then the guy at the security gate's like, uh, sir, what are the scissors for? I realized too, that when it comes to popcorn, most people finish their movie or excuse me, finish their popcorn before the movie starts. Right. And, or at least you're full of popcorn. Well, well, the only reason I know that is because the movie, the movie I went to last week, that three billboards movie, the person behind me hadn't finished their popcorn and the movie started and it was annoying. <sighs> Oh, I don't know if they chewed really loud or what the deal was, but they're sitting right behind me just, you know, like the really, the really sloppy. Oh, just so sloppy. Are you sure that they were eating popcorn? <laughs> what was that movie about again? <laughs> oh, look, we got to go. No, we Oh, it was horrible. It was just, I don't know. But there's times too when I'm tired, it doesn't matter where where I am, where like I hear somebody chewing their food and I'm just, it just annoys the hell out of me. Sometimes you're a little more sensitive to it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was the case. But a lot of movies to see. I can't wait. A lot of movies to see. All right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Maybe go to the movies. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.